0: The following audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church. For more information about our church or for more resources, visit us at All Alright, well good morning church. I am so glad you're here. With us, and I am so excited to be stepping into this new series this morning. We're calling this series Major on the Minors. And over the next couple weeks, we're going to be looking at a collection of books in your Bible that have been labeled as the Minor Prophets. The Minor Prophets. Now, Um, Just a word about prophets. So by and large, this is a really broad brushstroke here. But by and large, the prophets were the individuals that God chose, that God called out to be his mouthpiece to his people. And and often they had a very difficult task. Um, Their message was, was repent, turn back away from the things that you're pursuing turn back to God he is faithful and just forgive repent and turn back to him because when you don't if you don't there is destruction around the corner turn repent these this was the message um, of the prophets to to the people of God um, and and what an awe-inspiring what a difficult task that that was um, And listen, not all the prophets, just thinking about the prophets, have their own books of the Bible, okay? Uh, But many of them do. Many of them do. Uh, And as you look at some of these books in your Bible, uh, they're going to fall into two camps. There's going to be a group of prophetic books that have been kind of grouped together and labeled the major prophets. These are the books of Isaiah, Jeremiah. Lamentations, um, Ezekiel and Daniel. These are the, the major prophets. And then there's going to be a, a larger group that have been, uh, pulled together and that have been called, have been labeled the minor prophets, the minor prophets. Now hear me. Okay. Right from the beginning of this series, when you hear the word minor, do not think about it like, um, the minor leagues as opposed to the major leagues, okay? When you hear minor, don't think about it like that because here, this does not mean minor in significance, does not mean minor in importance or minor in relevance, no, 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 no. The term minor here is because they are minor in length, okay? So they're shorter. That's it. So when you hear minor prophets, it, it just think of the prophets who aren't as long-winded. That's, that's the, the minor prophets. But they are incredibly rich and incredibly important for us to read, um, to know, to meditate on. These books are incredible. Yet, I believe, for whatever the reason is, I believe that the minor prophets Um, are some of the least known books to in the Bible among Christians today. Right, if I were to ask you, um, tell me about Genesis or Exodus, Um, tell me about Psalms, tell me about Proverbs, tell me about Ruth, tell me about Matthew or John or um, Acts, tell me about Romans, tell me about Philippians or any of the epistles. Um, I would guess that many of us would be able to give an answer for what these books are and how they fit, right? Um, what about Habakkuk? Uh, what, what about Obadiah, uh, Micah? Uh, what about Zephaniah? What about that? I would guess that that for many of us we are less familiar with these books, and over the next several weeks we are going to dive in deep to these books, into these books, uh, together. Now, over the uh, the last several years as a church, we've already tackled some of the minor prophets. We've, for example, we've looked at Joel. Uh, we, have, we have examined Jonah. Um, we have even looked at portions of Hosea. But over the next couple of weeks, we're gonna, we are going to be tackling Obadiah, Micah, uh, Zephaniah, Habakkuk. We're going to be looking at Malachi. And today we get the joy of looking at the book of Amos. Um, now, I'd like to say one more thing before we pray and dive into the book of, of Amos. Um, this is designed and planned to be a survey of these books. Um, now, what this means is that typically at Stone Oak Bible Church, what we do is we walk verse by verse through books of the Bible. That's how we preach and that's how we teach here at Stone Oak Bible Church. And our hope, by the way, is at some point that we're going to be able to do the same thing to these incredible books, just to walk through them and kind of chew on them verse by Verse. But this series, this time together now is designed to be more of a, of a survey to, to number one, to give us an understanding, an idea of what these books are and what they are about. Uh, number two, to give us an understanding of how these books, not only what they're about, but how they fit, how they fit into the biblical narrative right and then number 3 to give you and i the ability to better dig in and study these books on our own in our own time so now this is not to say that we're you know not going to dig into the text cuz we are definitely going to dig into the text but our hope is to be able to kind of zoom out a little bit to see the big picture of these books as we dig in to them. So today we have the incredible book of Amos, the book of Amos. So if you have not found Amos, uh, I want to invite you with me. Join me, uh, turn in your Bibles to the book of Amos. Comes right after Joel, right after Hosea, right after all those major prophets I talked about. Um, and as you're going to see, by the way, as you're getting there, um, the book of Amos is incredibly and uncomfortably applicable. Um, It's like looking into a mirror and not loving what we see. It's like having a wake-up call. That's what the book of Amos is. And so as we turn our hearts to this, I'd like to just begin this series, begin Amos with prayer that God would prepare us to look into the mirror this morning. So would you join me in prayer? Lord, we come right now to the book of Amos, and we ask that you would speak. I I pray that, that you, through your spirit, would convict and open our hearts as we look into the mirror of your word to be changed to be changed. And, and so, Lord, we give you the glory for it. We ask you to move in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So let me begin with some, some context here. So let's start with the man, Amos. Amos was, he's a simple guy. He was a man's man. He was a working man. Um, he was not from the upper tier of society. He was not some highly educated um, or learned uh not someone who's like, you know, really highly influential, that was not Amos, is not Amos. In fact, Amos was a farmer, a successful farmer, but a farmer, a shepherd. That's who, that's who Amos was. He was simple. Amos was simple. Um, And this farmer, this simple shepherd, was called by God to be his mouthpiece. How cool is that? I mean, I love the way that God works. I love the way that God works. Listen, right from the beginning, you might be a lot like Amos. Maybe simple, not, you know, highly influential, like um. You might be a lot like Amos in this, yet God is calling you to be his mouthpiece. God is calling you. In fact, God has a history um, as we look at scripture, as we look at history. God has this history of using simple people to accomplish incredible things for his glory. Um, just look at the men and look at the women that God has called in the past. God has this way of using people like you and me to accomplish his, his will and in this way receiving all the glory. Um, just incredible. But you and I, we might also be a little bit like the, the people of God here as we look at Amos, you, you might be here and God might be using someone in your life right now to speak some truth into your life. And, and your temptation might be to say, "Uh, no, come on. Who are they to tell me what to do? Who are they to speak into my life like this? (laughs) But like Amos, I would encourage you I would encourage you to realize that God speaks through his word, God speaks through his spirit, and God speaks through his people. And like we've already prayed, I just pray that God would give us the ears to listen. But, but this was Amos. This was Amos. It, it, let me tell you about one more really important detail here um, about Amos. So Amos lived and he prophesied um, during the reign of King Uzziah. In the southern kingdom, and uh, during the reign of King Jeroboam the second in the northern kingdom. Now, I don't expect for you to be able to know what was going on in the world during the reign of these kings. If you do bragging rights, that's that's well done. Um, but here is what is important. Here's what's important. This was a time prosperity. This was a time of, of great stability. And in our terms today, this would be like a time when the stock market is just steady and climbing. This would be like housing markets doing great jobs. Great. You know, no pandemic, um, no political crisis, no war, just times were good in, in the, the kingdom. And in these good times, you got to ask, did it cause the people of God to thank God? Did it cause the people of God to kind of draw their eyes up to, to, to God, the giver of all these good things? Did it stir in them a heart for worship? Did it spark in them revival? Uh, no, it, it didn't. On the contrary, um, It was a time of incredible idolatry. It was a time of incredible extravagance and corruption. Um, The rich were getting richer at the expense of the poor. Uh, They were using their wealth. They were using their power to oppress the poor, to ignore those who were hurting in their community and instead, what they were doing is, is kind of hidden by their wealth and hidden by their prosperity. They lived their lives in comfort and extravagance. That was the people of God. See, compassion uh, was replaced by corruption. Generosity was, was replaced by oppression. And the worship of the one true God was, was replaced by idolatry. Um... Amos was what I like to call a, a good time prophet, a good time prophet. In, in other words, he wasn't like a, a Jeremiah, for example, who was prophesying in a really difficult time where the people of God were, you know, being captured and taken into captivity and, and they were in captivity. No, that wasn't Amos. Amos was the bold light for God in the darkness, speaking to God. To the people of God when things when things were, were were good. That was that was Amos. Yet what we're gonna see is things were not good. Things were not good. So we're we're gonna start into Amos, and you're gonna notice something as we start into Amos, and that is Amos starts out hot. Um he does not waste any time. Yet, yet I get the impression that the people of God in hearing Amos' words here in the first uh, at the beginning of, his, of this letter, I get the impression that the people of God might be thinking, yeah, I mean, preach it, Amos. Preach it. And why is that? Well, because what Amos does, see, he starts off with Israel's neighbors. Okay, so, so you see in verses three and through five in chapter one, he starts with Damascus. Um, so, so the people of God hear this, and they're like, yeah, go get those Syrians, right? Um, then he goes into Gaza in verses uh, 6 through 8. So so go get those Philistines, Amos. Then he, he goes into Tyre in verses 9 and 10 with the Phoenicians. Then he moves to Edom in verses 11 through 12. And then the Ammonites in verses 13 through 15. And then finally, he goes to Moab. In the start of chapter 2, this would be the home of Ruth. So, so what we see here is Amos is just kind of hitting each one of Israel's neighbors. Hitting each one of, of Israel's neighbors. And the message to these peoples are all roughly the same. It, it's, it, he condemns them for their great and numerous sin. He uses a, the same expression. If you, if you look, he has this uh, three transgressions and for four uh, language that he uses throughout. Um, and this is a unique expression here. Um, many have, have pointed out that uh, suggests that since the number seven in the Bible is kind of this number for completion. Um, and since three plus four equals seven, that, that this was saying that their sin was just complete sin, just complete and utter sin, right? Um, listen, whatever the, the fullness of this expression might be here, whatever it might be, hear me, the message is so clear what is being said here. See, the sin of these people were, 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 were great. They were, they were great. And there would be a reckoning for the evil. That's the message. That's the message. Uh, the, the author, Gordon uh, Ketty says it so simply. He says, God is measuring human wickedness. And there will be a reckoning and absolute justice will be served. That's it. I mean, that's the message. So in each of these cases, we're going to see Amos' words where he says, I will not revoke the punishment. God, through Amos, says, I will not revoke the punishment. In other words, they're not going to repent of and turn to me from their sin. And God says, I will not turn back and revoke uh, the the punishment. Now, I I, I don't want us to to miss this. I want us to see something here. And don't laugh, okay? Uh, Don't laugh. Um, I could not find a good map to show you just couldn't find one. Everyone I found was so busy and had a bunch of stuff that we don't need and um, so I just decided to take it upon myself to have a little art um, lesson with you guys. And to just do my own map, okay? Uh, To just draw it on my own. So don't judge me. I did the best that I could because I wanted us to see something here. Now, I did the scale as best as I could. This won't be perfect. But I do think that this is going to kind of show us very visually what Amos is, is doing here really well. Okay? So here is the ancient Middle East, Okay, um, the big blue body of water to the left, that's the Mediterranean Sea. The little little body of water um, is the Sea of Galilee. The larger one to the south, that's the Dead Sea, okay? So you have your bearings. If you're checking with me on the maps in the back of your Bible, I hope you're able to see where I am right now, okay? I hope you are. <laughs> um, now, during this... Time of Amos's ministry, the people of God were divided into two kingdoms, the north and the south. So here's what that would have looked like. So you have Israel to the north and you have Judah to the south. Okay? Now, seeing this, here is what Amos does here in in the opening of his book. First, he calls out Damascus. Then he calls out Gaza, then Tyre, then Edom, then the Ammonites, and then lastly Moab. So would you take this in and just see what he just did here? Amos is, is spiraling around the people of God, surrounding them on all sides. <laughs> you get this feeling that the people of God were saying, yeah, yeah, preach it, Amos. You, you know, tear them up, get them. You get the feeling they were saying that at first. <laughs> at first. But as they began to be squeezed in on all sides... As they begin to be squeezed in on all sides, um, compressed, if you will, by God's judgment, you you get the feeling that they are now ready for Amos to go back to his farm, to go back to his sheep, to just stop and go home. You get that feeling. Yet he doesn't. He doesn't. He spirals all around the people of God, and then he moves to Judah. He moves to Judah. Judah. And then after Judah, he spends the, the vast amount of time, the bulk of his time in, in Israel. So he's short and direct and sweet to, to, to Judah. I mean, he is just direct to them. In fact, he, he treats them the same. Don't miss this. As all the neighbors. He uses the same expression. Three transgressions, but a four, right? Um, I will not revoke the, the punishment. Same thing. He uses the same language, but then for Judah, he, he, he goes in deeper. Um, for Judah, the ones who had God's law, they were God's people in, in verse, in chapter two, verse, verse four says they have rejected it. They have not kept God's statutes. Um, and they believe their own lies. For Judah, this was no ignorance. This is no ignorance. Um, they had the word of God. This is no ignorance. They ignored it and they walked the other way. Church, as we examine ourselves and, and our own communities, I, for so many, we are just like Judah. Just like Judah. This is no ignorance. We have the word of God. We ignore it. And we walk the the other way. Church, this is the time to repent. To turn away from the lies that we have told ourselves. The lies that we believe. and, and, And this is the time to trust what, what God has said to us in his, in his word, to learn from Amos, to learn from Judah. But then directly after verse five, he now turns to Israel. Um, he turns to Israel and notice he starts the same way. Three transgressions of Israel and for four, I will not revoke the punishment. Same way. Yet here in Amos' words to, to Israel, Amos gives a more detailed account of their condemnation. Amos' words call them to consider the humanitarian crisis that they have caused, that they have created. The rich and powerful were oppressing the poor. They were dishonest. You read in the, these, these words here, they were dishonest. They were immoral. They had forgotten all that God had done for them. And so Amos reminds them in chapter 2 verse 10 that it was God who delivered them out from Egypt. Had they forgotten? Do we forget Too often we can forget God's faithfulness, God's kindness to to us. It's like what we call here at Stonic Bible Church um, gospel amnesia. That, That God would change our lives, radically change our lives, the power of his gospel, that we would walk away changed only to forget. Only to forget. This is why by the way, the call to repent and in the simple proclamation of the gospel. This is why we believe that it is not just for the sinners out there who have never heard. But here at Stone Oak, we believe that the proclamation, the simple and cons- constant proclamation of the gospel is for those who have heard. For those in here as well. Amos is reminding them of the salvation of the Lord and that in all the success that they have in their life and in all of their comfort they had forgotten. They had forgotten. And then Amos Reminds them in the midst of Israel's prosperity, he stands before them and he tells them, Israel, people of God, this will not last. The good times will not last. Amos denounces the people of Israel for turning away from their God and for their social injustice. Amos's words are direct. And he warns them of the disaster that is coming their way, that was going to fall on them for disobedience to God's word. Can you imagine? Can you imagine delivering this kind of message in the midst of prosperity? Can you imagine? Listen, I'd like to zoom in. I know we're zoomed out in a survey, but I'd like to zoom in on just a couple verses, um, specifically in chapter 5. God issues this judgment through his prophet, and and as they're laid bare, as they're just desperate, chapter 5 is just incredible. In verse 1, he says, Hear this word that I take up over you in lamentation, O house of Israel. In other words, he's pleading with them. Hear my words. Listen to me. And then in verse four. In verse four, God through Amos says, seek me and live. (sighs) Seek me and live. Can we just take that in? For everyone who feels the, the, the conviction of the Holy Spirit For sin. We are not gonna talk ourselves out of this. We're not gonna work ourselves out of this. The remedy for our sin is this seek the Lord and live. Seek the Lord and live. And then listen with me in verse 21. This just, okay, I I wanna just cut right to the chase here Um, think about our community for our community for our nation we're a nation with a certain level right of Christian heritage Uh, our nation has a certain level of Christianity that's kind of baked into the cake Um, for our community you know for many going to church is the is the norm it's it's the norm For our community, it's possible to be a cultural Christian and yet not know Jesus. This is who we are. And hear the words of God through Amos. Hear the word of God to us this morning. Verse 21, I hate, I despise your feasts. And I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. In the peace offerings of your fattened animals, I will not look upon them. Church, he's talking here about their worship. And he says this, Take away from me the noise of your songs. to the melody of your harps, I will not listen. And then he says this in verse 24, probably the keystone verse of all of Amos. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Church, God here is saying, listen, I'm not enjoying, I am not glorified by any of this. I am not glorified. When you come into my house for worship and with all of your sacrifices and all of your praise, I am not glorified when you come into my house for worship while ignoring me in your life. I am not honored when you come into my house for worship, yet when you trample the poor, when you oppress the powerless. I am not glorified. I am not honored in your worship when it is nothing more than just some cultural going through the motions. I am not glorified in your biggest and greatest worship experiences. I am not glorified in any of that because I am after more than that. I am after you. I am after your heart. God desires to bring his peace, his shalom into your heart. And his peace, his shalom to the community through you. That's what God desires. That's what God desires. That's why Paul says in Romans 12:1: present present your, yourselves as living sacrifices to the Lord. Because that's your true act of worship. See the churchy show is just it's insufficient when it is not representative of a people who are truly worshiping their god. Instead Amos says, "But let justice roll down like waters, let righteousness like an ever-flowing stream." In other words, God is less concerned. He's he's less concerned about us coming into the church doors as he is about how many walk out of the church doors on mission. He's less concerned about how many we can fill our auditoriums with than he is about how many shine the light of Jesus in our communities. How many are dedicated to justice? How many are filled with the compassion of Jesus for those around us? How many live lives that are not our own, but that are spent for our creator? How many spread shalom wherever they go and wherever God places them? See, that church is what God is looking for. That's what God is, is honored and how he is glorified today. So, church, check your heart today. Better said, let's listen as the Holy Spirit checks our hearts. Where we are going through the motions. Where we are ignoring the needs of others, where we are turning away from those who are hurting, where that is in our heart, where we have ignored the word of God and turned to our own way. See, church, God wants more than just your church attendance. He wants more than just religious motions. He wants to change you from the inside out. He wants, he desires obedience. He wants you to be an instrument of shalom and justice for him. That's his desire. In a way, Amos here is calling out hypocrisy. That's what he's doing. I mean, that we know how to act like church people when we are around church people or at church. But then that we would live for the world when we, when we leave the doors, when we, when we go home and about our business. Church, that's hypocrisy. That is hypocrisy. And God is calling that out in our hearts this morning through his word. It's the same thing that God calls out in other places. I Think of James, for example. I think in James one twenty two that, that, that says, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. And James here in this text, it, it compares, he says, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his face in a mirror and then goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. Gospel amnesia. Church, have we forgotten? Have we forgotten? Are we hearers and not doers of the word? My prayer is that God would search us because, listen, the time is now, church. The time is now. Uh, you know, as we kind of wrap this up, I, um, I don't think any of us can deny. I don't think any of us can deny that things are, are, are difficult in 2020, In some ways, as a community, we, many of us, have known and we have experienced, we know what it's like to experience prosperity, stability. We have been blessed, church, in so many ways. We really have been. And yet, in 2020, so much of life has been kind of upended. Security, uh, now we're feeling less secure. Stability, now we are not feeling stable. Listen, normal has been upended and, and as unsettling as that is, church, I believe with all my heart that this is an opportunity. Listen, I've been convicted by this over the last several months. Um, I don't want to kind of get back to normal I don't. Um, As a church, as a community, I want us to turn back to Jesus. I want to use this time right now as a wake-up call, a God-given wake-up call for, for us. Church, we have been praying for revival for several years. We've been praying for a revival in our community for several years. What if, what if, what if it is now? Revival has this way of springing up from the the fertile soil of uncertainty. We have seen all throughout scripture, all throughout history, that prosperity is is often kind of a lousy soil for revival because when we think we don't need anything, um, we're not all that desperate for Christ's power in our lives, right? But as we have seen in scripture, as we have seen all throughout history, it's often, church, when things are upended a bit. It's often when things are upended a bit that we're and we're better able to just stop and to cry out to the Lord and to repent. As Amos says, to not only come to, to church, but then to leave out, to, to scatter out and to become beacons of the gospel in our community. Church, this this is this is our opportunity. Stone Oak Bible Church, this is our opportunity. As we look at the way Amos ends, I'm struck by something. See, in, in chapter 9, Amos describes the destruction that that is that Israel will in fact face. Okay? Um, it's coming. Uh, so even though they they as they heard Amos's words to them, things were, you know, good, things would not always be good, and they would in fact face destruction. And this does happen. They did fall. They were taken into captivity. And as a community, they did not listen to the words of Amos. And yet, we read, as we read about the judgment here, we, we also read, starting in verse 11, about a remnant. God does not, praise God for this church, but God does not just look at this people and say, ugh. I am done with these people. (laughs) He doesn't. Because look at the way the book ends. I want to read this. This is 11 through 15. In that day, I will raise up the booth of David that is fallen and repair its branches and raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old that they may possess the remnant of Edom. And all the nations who are called by my name declares the Lord who does this. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord. The plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows the seed. The mountains shall drip sweet wine and all the hills shall flow with it. I will restore the fortunes of my people Israel and they shall rebuild the ruined cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink their wine. They shall make gardens and eat their fruit. I will plant them on their land and they shall never again be uprooted out of the land that I have given them, says the Lord your God. Church, the book of Amos ends with Uh, The promise of a great revival. And would you notice the pronouns? It's I will raise. It's I will restore. It is the Lord who does this. See, we got ourselves into this, but we are not getting ourselves out of this. Scripture is clear that we got ourselves into this, but it is the Lord who gets us out of this. So here is the message of Amos. Are you ready? Here it is. Repent. Of your sin, seek the Lord and live. Let justice flow. And he will raise you up, he will restore you, and he will save you. The book ends with the promise of a great revival. And I want to end our time this morning praying that he would do just that that he would do just that here today in our hearts, in our church, and in our community. Would you pray with me? Lord, we come to you now, and and I pray that you would lay us bare, bring the sin out, and just expose it with your light. And in response to that, Lord, I pray that we as your people repent, that we turn back and turn to you and we know that as we do, that you are faithful and just to forgive. I pray that you would then use us as your gospel lights in our community. That we would be beacons of hope, peace, and love, and the gospel in our communities. Lord, we pray for a revival. I pray that you would use these, this moment in our, in our community to turn hearts to you in a real way. We're done with the show. We want you to move in a real and authentic way in our hearts, in our church, and in our community. Lord, would you do that work? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.